The most recent episode of Star Trek Picard sees our titular hero return to space after a lot of stuff happens. A lot. And I think this episode, which is titled The End is the Beginning, may have, at least in my weird writerly brain, shown me how at least this season is going to end. I mean, not in full, but I think I know one of the big twists that we're going to get. And I'd like to talk to you about that on today's episode of Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And yeah, it's time to talk about another episode of Star Trek Picard, episode 3, and I am loving this series. And I think I saw something. I think I think I might have a clue. But before we get into all that, if you haven't already, please do take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on, it really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen, the bigger the community. The bigger the community, the better the chance we have of actually communicating with each other. And after all, that's why I do this in the first place. Thank you to everyone who has already done that. Alrighty, Star Trek Picard, Episode 3, The End is the Beginning. This is kind of a literal (laughs) title to the episode in that by the end, We have them going off into space, which we knew was eventually going to happen, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping it doesn't have to do with time travel or any of those other things, because the thing I hate most in Star Trek is when time travel happens. But you never know, and we will see, won't we? Alrighty. A lot of things happened in this episode. I really liked it. We finally got to meet Raffi. Like, we kind of got to meet her a little bit in the last episode, but we really got to meet her in this episode. I like her a lot. Michelle Hurd does a wonderful job. I mean, the, the sheer pathos. I mean, oh, I connected with her so hard. And I love how she calls Picard JL. I love that. I don't know why I love that, but I do. There was something just mm, beautiful about that. Hugh makes his return in this episode. I like that they remembered to put in the scars from where his implants were removed. I I kind of wish we would have gotten at least a hint of what he's been up to in the interim since we last saw him, but we at least now know where he is and what he's doing. And we'll talk about that a bit more in spoilers. And of course, we got to meet Chris Rios. And eh, we'll see. I'm going to talk about him a bit more in spoilers, too, in just a minute. But there's been a lot of talk about him being Star Trek's answer to Han Solo. No. No. One, he, he seems like he might actually be capable of doing stuff. And for those of you who forget, Han Solo was a buffoon. Chewie was the capable one. Han Solo was not. Stop trying to make Han Solo into something that he never was. 
Anywho, um, he interesting character, intriguing backstory, which in some ways I kind of hope pays off, and in other ways, I, I don't want everything to be related, but I do like the idea, the possibility that he may be a window to further stories to come. That once we wrap up the story with Bruce Maddox and the robots, we he he may be the one who shares who who takes us off into yet another direction. Cause yeah, we'll talk about that more in spoilers. So yeah, I don't think there's really much else I can talk about without going into the spoilers. I, I really liked this episode. I enjoyed it, and yeah. So if you haven't seen Episode 3 of Star Trek Picard, The End is the Beginning, and you do not want to know anything that happens in this episode, spoilers are incoming. So you might want to go watch it, and then come back, and then we'll talk, alright? Spoilers are incoming in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. You have been warned. Alrighty, so... There, there is a lot that I enjoyed about this episode, and some things that I found a wee bit annoying. The biggest one is basically towards the end, where we get this hint that there may be some time travel involved, and uh, please, please don't let that be the case. Please don't let that be the case. Please don't let that be the case. Please, please don't let that be the case. Okay? Okay. So, we finally... Sorry, I just, I really don't like the time travel episodes. They don't, with the exception of City on the Edge of Forever, which was really good and really well done because Harlan Ellison wrote it, I, I, I have, I struggle to find a, another good time travel episode, Trials and Tri Tribulations, because it was funny, but yeah, yeah, time travel doesn't go well, and I just, I don't like it, I don't like it, I don't want it. Um, one thing that I should have covered before I went into spoilers, so sorry about that. A little bit of home, of housekeeping. I had been wondering what happened to Jean-Luc's family. Okay, there are two movies that I don't really like, and I in the of the next generation movies, and I don't watch them that often. One of which is Generations, and I had it pointed out to me that. In Star Trek Generations, when Picard's having his weird breakdown when he's in the weird ribbon thingy that, uh, yeah, he makes mention that they all died in a fire, that Rennie, his brother, and his um, sister-in-law died in a fire. And I remembered that when it was pointed out to me, but I, I took it as like some weird hell dimension in interloping into his brain from being in the weird space cosmic ribbon thingy. Because, yeah, this is the 24th century, and fire suppression tech is a thing, and even though his brother was kind of a Luddite, like, it didn't, it didn't make sense to me when I heard it in the story, and I kind of pushed it out of my brain, and Generations is something that I don't watch all that often. Well, let's be honest, I probably haven't seen that movie since it came out on VHS, you know, a while back, so... I had completely forgotten about that, so that's why we don't hear anything about the other Picards. Because apparently, 
That wasn't an illusion put in his head by a weird hell dimension that he ended up getting trapped in so that they could bring Kirk into the future because nothing says let's make a movie fun like having Malcolm McDowell and William Shatner in it. Not that I'm bitter, but hey, I forgot about that. Anywho, getting to see the moment that Jean-Luc failed Raffi was fascinating. Getting to see the state that she's in was interesting. I think it brought up some interesting points about inequality in paradise, which I kind of hope that they play around with a little bit more because, yeah, that whole idea of legacy and estate, that's something that get, gets brought up but doesn't really get touched on too much. I think that's an interesting idea. I would like I would like to see more of it. And I don't think... I've seen some people talking about this as if this is problematic because in the future, people don't need money. And yeah, Star Trek has very much established that, at least in the Federation and on Earth, money is not something that people need. But if you look at Rafi's backstory, what actually happened to her was a complete destruction of her reputation. So she's living out at the Vasquez Rocks, not, possibly not because that's the only place she could afford to live, but because it isolated her from the people around her who saw her as crazy. That reputation is the real capital that exists by the time of Star Trek and because of the events that led to her and Picard leaving the Federation, well, leaving Starfleet, it ruined her reputation in such a way that it made it hard for her to find accommodations where she felt okay being around the people there, that there was some sort of social harassment that led to her living in, I believe she referred to it as a hovel. So, but I would like to see much more about that. I, I'd love to see that built out more, but oh my goodness, Michelle Hurd's performance, brilliant. Her chemistry with Picard is wonderful. With Patrick Stewart, I, I, I really can't wait to see where this character goes. I am excited about it. I don't want to talk about Free Cloud too much, but my theory is, and we'll know next week because that's where they're heading, I'm assuming this is either going to be a Borg colony, thus Free Cloud, or it's going to be a Romulan colony and the home of the new Romulan Republic, one of the other Romulan factions. We already have a sense that this is where we're going to meet one of the other Romulan factions, but we'll also probably meet Seven of Nine there. Just a theory, just a feeling. That's all I can really say about that right now. Now, getting into some of the more interesting things that happened in the episode, we get to meet Chris Rios. He's an interesting character. I think we're going to have to see where he goes. Picard finds that he is reading a book called The Tragic Sense of Life. This is a book that, to me, kind of embodies the um, spirit of this series. Basically, the premise of the book, it's a philosophical book, and the premise of the book is because we all know that we're going to die, we should more or less abandon logic and reason and live according to our passions. 
we should live our best life now because we know that our life is going to end. This has kind of been Picard's raison d'etre this season, and I think we're going to see that with Rios being his as well, and it's kind of going to be the guiding principle that gets all of our characters through this season, at least. Rios was the XO, the executive officer on the Ibn Majid. Um, I looked that up. It was a heavy cruiser. Ibn Majid was a uh, cartographer, navigator. He wrote a lot of books about sailing. He was known as the Lion of the Sea and the Shooting Star because of his bravery at sea. And he may or may not have helped Vaso de Gama, I can never say his name right, make his way to India in the first overseas route between Europe and India. So, I, I don't know what that has to do with anything. It may just be an interesting name that they decided to give the ship, but... I have a feeling that that's going to have something to do either with, because you can just see all the references they're trying to bring in. This has something to do either with the Briar Patch, or maybe with the remnants of Borg space. Something bad happened on the Ibn Majid, because we know that its captain ended up with his brain splattered across the bulkhead, and Starfleet has erased any record of the ship existing. So, yeah, I, I need a backstory. But because, you know, it's named after this, like, famed navigator who was one of the f people who helped figure out weather patterns and all this other stuff for the sea and for navigation, it feels like, even though it's a heavy cruiser, the fact that it's named after him meant that it was there to maybe figure out the uh, Borg network, the uh, transwarp conduits, maybe? Something. Personal theory. We'll see how that pays off. Let's go to the Romulans. So, myth is the news to the Romulans, and I, I, I kind of agree with Soji. I like that. I am a big proponent of myth. As you know, I talk about the joys of myth all the time and how we should employ much more mythological thinking in our day, Ramda was an interesting character. Uh, I, I, I think we might see her again. The idea that... Okay, so Soji knows the backstory of how the Borg cube ended up getting decommissioned, if you will, by the Borg, getting cut off by the Borg, and nobody else appears to know. We'll talk about that in a second. But I, I think... There's something here, and this is where one of the few places I'm going to talk about this until we get to my big thing in a minute. This is the scene that kind of intimates this idea of time travel. I saw you tomorrow. You're the destroyer. Dot, dot, dot. I think one of the things that we're going to learn is how we ended up with the Romulans and the Raymonds. I think we're going to learn how we ended up with the twins, that that's going to be that's going to be a big part of what's going on here and how this story unfolds. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we don't have one of these robot twins going back in time and founding the Borg. I'm hoping that the Romulans don't have anything to do with the founding of the Borg. Uh, 
We'll see. I do, though, have a theory that the Romulans met whatever made V'ger. And that that is why they don't like AIs. But I can't prove that yet. But we never do run into the race that repairs V'ger. And we don't know how long V'ger was on his journey back after having been reconstructed. And we don't know exactly when the Romulans did their thing. So, yeah. I mean, it could have taken V'ger hundreds of years to make his way back. Because as, as we find out, basically V'ger got Voyager got hit by one of these alien ships. They repaired V'ger and sent him out on his way. And then he slowly makes his way back to Earth, and we have Star Trek One, the motion picture. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm much more hoping that the story we're going to get revolves around that, and not that the Romulans created the Borg, or that we have some weird time travel thing. I don't want either one of those to be true. I don't. Because I just don't. And I know I'm starting to sound windy, whiny, so I'm going on. Okay. The last thing that I want to talk about <laughs> is Dr. Agnes Gerardi. She is not who she seems. She's not. And I can tell you that she's not for two reasons. Well, for several reasons. Number one, uh, Ramda and the whole discussion of the false door. Oh, going to dig into that in a second. But yeah, there's this whole idea of like, you cover your face, you hide who you are. How did she get a cop? How did she get a weapon? She just had a weapon and she's weaseled her way in. We don't know what Commodore O talked with her about. So I have two theories as to who Agnes Gerardi really is, because I don't believe she is who she says she is. Her story is kind of like Dodge's too perfect. She just happens to be there. She just happens to know all these things. She happens just to be this sweet and unassuming person. I think Agnes Gerardi is most obviously, and why I don't think hopefully, well, we'll see if this is the answer, that she is a Romulan or a Starfleet spy. She may be a part of the Jatvash, I don't, I, or has, or she was recruited by Commodore O for this mission. I think she could. I think she could have still been recruited by Commodore O. And the second half of what I'm going to say, my my the other theory of mine could be true at the same time. But I I don't like that one because it's it's so much more obvious. And this show has not been veering towards the obvious. So my second theory is that she is actually a Mark I Maddox-type android. Remember, we don't have anything but her say as to who she is and how she got to be where she is. That's it. We only have her word on it. That's it. Nothing else. And this whole idea of the false door... What if Dodge and Soji are the false door and the actual destroyer, the actual one that we need to be watching out for 
is the one around the back, the one that we don't recognize. It's actually, it's actually Agnes. She's actually the android that we have to watch out for. And that's how she knows so much. That's how she recognizes the thing. And that's how all of this comes about. She's actually a robot. And nobody else knows it. I don't even think she knows it yet. But she feels a call to go back to Maddox. And I think that's because Maddox is in communication with all of the androids that he made. When Dodge and now Soji have contacted their quote-unquote mother, I think they're actually calling some kind of a comm frequency that's actually a drop point. And they're talking to a hologram, but at the same time they're talking to the hologram, they're basically getting a firmware update that new data is being both extracted and downloaded into them via the interface. And that's why we see Soji and Dodge both kind of collapse after this. It's a reboot to refresh with all the new information in there. That's how Soji knew everything that she knew. It's this unconscious conversation with Maddox. That's what it is. Personal theory, can't prove it, but there you go. Agnes Girardi is a Mark I Maddox-type android. She's actually the one that we have to watch out for. And if I'm wrong and time travel is a thing, she's the original Borg Queen. But put, put the costume on her. You can see it, can't you? Unfortunately, I can. Anyway, those are my theories from the latest episode of Star Trek Picard. I hope you enjoyed them. I would love to hear what you think. In the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you. If you'd rather hit me up on social media, I'm C. Dorset on both Twitter and Instagram, and you can find a link to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. While you're in those show notes, if you'd like to help out, you'll find a link to both the listener support and my Patreon. Thank you to everybody who does that. It really does mean the world to me. Thank you so, so much. If you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like giving, that's fine. But if you know somebody you think would like anything that I do, please share it with them. That helps out immensely as well. There's so much I have to say about this. I've been doing several episodes a week on Star Trek Picard. I don't know if I'm going to do that this week or not, but I would love to hear your theories, especially on my theory that Agnes is actually an android. Let me know. And until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.